This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Hoping everybody is in good form this morning. John Paul is taking your calls today. Anything you want to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. 1850-333-103. The text and the WhatsApp. So ready, up and running and texts coming in. Thank you for those to 0862-103-103. Interested in your thoughts on what's going on with the NCT uh, centres and drivers now, we know, as since yesterday, are forced to undergo a second NCT test. And this is due to a suspected fault with the underbody inspection lists at all of the 10 centres and the news coming out is nobody's going to be offered any kind of a refund or any kind of a compensation from the contractors for the National Car Test uh, Service. I suppose that's the question we've been asked today if people are being forced to go back. Now for some it's just going to be a little bit inconvenient. For others it will cost the money if there are people scheduling days off to go and get their NCT test done and that does happen in, in some cases not in all cases but it, it can for some people they've there's no, no other option but have to take time off to bring their car along it would be very unfair and unfortunate if they've got to take another day off to go bring their car back a second time should they be compensated do you think that anyone getting their test where they have to go back a second time compensated by maybe a refund on the cost of their test. So give them a free test or give them a voucher so that the next time they have to come along they will get a free test. It's a Spanish-based company, Aplus Ireland. They're the ones who carry out all of the national car tests in this country. They've been doing it since 2010 and they've been, their contract of course was then renewed by the Road Safety Authority for another 10 years and that only happened last summer. But they say no compensation is even being considered for drivers forced to undergo a second test due to the fault and it's nothing to do with the driver's fault this is very much to do with the contractor they're the ones at fault the suppliers of the NCT that their general manager a guy by the name of Grant Henderson said it could be weeks before the company knows the scale of the problem so it's not even weeks before they sort the problem weeks before they even know how much of a problem they have it's the scissor lift which has led to the temporary suspension of the underbody tests at the 47 national test centres which are dotted around the country. It's not known how long it will take to repair the lifts once they've got the problem identified. They don't know how long will they have to get parts? How will they solve it? And obviously and I'm assuming it's going to vary from centre to centre because of the severity of the defects. You could have one lift that they realise is very severely damaged and then another one is only minor or maybe another one they'll take a look at and will be absolutely perfect. So I I can understand why they can't come out and say how long each lift is going to then take to uh, repair. Now the NCT issued a statement last night and they've confirmed that a small number of lift inspections have recommenced on a restricted basis but we can't get confirmation on which centres is actually doing the lift or how many centres that they've obviously checked the lifts and realise that they're okay, they can uh, proceed. But anyone who has a test booked, they are encouraging drivers and not even encouraging, they're urging drivers to turn up as normal for your uh, test you will not be issued with a vehicle inspection certificate until the full test is completed. And this was really the sting in the tail eye when we were telling people yesterday, go along and get your test. I thought you would be, you would, once you obviously your car passed 
the other 90% of the test, I thought you would walk away with a vehicle inspection certificate with just a note to say you need to come back when we call you when the lift is uh, working. Now, the NCT Centre in their, in their statement last night are saying that the insurance industry will, this is what they've been advised, the insurance industry will take a pragmatic view for policyholders. They won't penalise them for not having a valid NCT. Drivers, though, are still legally required to ensure their vehicles are roadworthy at all times. The Road Safety Authority said motorists affected by the issue should keep a copy of their vehicle inspection report that they get from the NCT, keep it in their vehicle in case they're stopped by a member of Angarda Shiakona. As an interim measure, a vehicle inspection report will be issued in the normal way following the test, but it will clearly indicate a fail result on it but it will also indicate that it was a no lift inspection done so therefore if you stop by the Gardaí why haven't you got a valid NCT well I have uh, Garda, here's my certificate and then the Garda can see that you passed everything else but you failed because of the no lift inspection done. And in keeping with existing practices the Road Safety Authority say motorists are being advised that they must rectify any defects that are detected on any other part of the test that was conducted because there's three stages to the NCT, stage one, stage two and stage three. And stage three is the bit which is a visual one which is where it goes up on the lift. So that's the stage three. So stage one and stage two are probably the main, if you're going to fail an NCT you'll more than likely fail it on stage one and uh, stage two. So if you go along for your NCT and you get the fail and it's indicated no lift inspection done but if you also fail because something was wrong with stage one or stage two you need to still go then go away and rectify the defect if the guard that stops you you can't get away with saying oh well I couldn't get a full test. If they clearly tell you there's something wrong on stage one or stage two of the test you need to go and rectify that. But it's the former communications minister Dennis Knox him. He's come out on behalf of motorists and he feels that motorists should be compensated for their time and money wasted through no fault of their own. He said the current proposal that drivers would have to make two trips to get to the NCT to get their NCT cert is contrary, he says, to the contract that the company uh, Aplus signed up to with the state and the people he said are forced to attend twice Again, through no fault of their own, he feels at the very least they should receive a full refund on the cost of the uh, test. And I'm assuming a lot of people will agree with him on that. Or maybe not. Maybe you think, no, you know, what Apples are doing is they're erring on the side of health and safety for their staff members. And I I don't think anyone will take from what Apples has done when they discovered that there was a fault with this scissor lift in other well, it was the MOT in the north, wasn't it? it? Was where it was discovered, and we used the same scissor list when they discovered that there was some safety issue with it. You know, I think absolutely they were right. They need to keep because it's mainly their staff would be underneath the lift inspecting. You wouldn't have members of the public wandering in. I, I take it underneath the car to take a look, but they can't put any of their staff members at risk. So I think you know absolutely they're they're right to suspend the lift inspection part, but. And I'll put this out to see what people think. Should the Apples who run the NCT here, should we? Should they have gone down the same route as what they're doing with the MOT in Northern Ireland? In Northern Ireland, they've just suspended all of the tests. So you can be driving around without your MOT. And if you're stopped by a police officer in the north, you'll just, you know, you can clearly say, well, I couldn't get an MOT because... 
they've been suspended while they work out what to do with the with the lifts. Should we have gone down that route? Are our APLIS right to get the bulk of the tests done? I suppose the fear would be if they if they decided to suspend NCTs like what they've done with the MOT and then say of course they how long is a piece of string how long is it going to, to take say it conservatively takes a month we'll be very conservative on it and just say just a month and they'll have it all sorted out at the end of that month then will they have an absolute flood of people trying to get an NCT and will the backlog be absolutely huge this of course couldn't have happened at a worse time because the bulk of cars get that will need an NCT the bulk of them would have been registered in January new cars any four four year old four four year old cars and over going for NCT many of them would have been registered in January so this is probably the busiest time of the year for NCT centres and I know it was one of the reasons before Christmas where we were saying to people you can get your NCT three months out of the due date and we were trying to encourage people to get that done to stop the backlog of people who all head in in January and if you are one of those you're not going to be picking up a valid search unfortunately but your thoughts welcomed should we have gone down the route of what they did in the north and suspended them until they have the, they had the lift the scissor lift sorted out so that they could do the underbody test uh, and failing that when they've decided to bring people in and force them to come back instead for a second test should you be getting the entire test free so should you be getting a refund on what is it 55 euro isn't it for an NCT should you get a refund or maybe a voucher so that when you've got your next NCT you get it for free your thoughts welcomed on that 1850 also coming up on the programme this morning news that Bank of Ireland and AIB are going to sell off a portion of their ATM machines and this sort of interested me when I saw it earlier in the week and I was saying, mm, is that going to make a difference to any of us? But when I dug down a little bit deeper into it, it does look to me like many of the ATMs that they're going to sell out are ones that are in re- retail outlets. Many of the ones that are in retail outlets are, will be in small village shops or in small towns, out of the way areas where there isn't a bank. I mean, there's very few towns now, especially small towns that have a bank on their main street. So people living in very rural areas, they depend on the local shop or the local petrol station that has an ATM machine if they want to get out cash. So Bank of Ireland and AIB have picked a bunch of these and the majority of them seem to be in very rural areas and they're going to sell them onto a private company. Private company will move in. They'll install their ATM machines. Private company has to make money out of the installation of these ATM machines. So you know where I'm going. It's going to cost people more money. And yet again, it looks like it's going to hit more people in rural areas than it will in urban areas because people in larger urban areas will have the choice. If they go into their local petrol station to take money out and they see that the machine is privately operated and it comes with a charge, they can say, sure, I'll wait and I'll pop down the main street and I'll get the ATM machine that's in the bank on the main street I'll get it there when I won't have as many charges as I would have from one of the private operators so that is certainly a cause of concern as I say again for people in rural areas the societies of Vincent de Paul and Cork are going to be joining us on the programme today and this is to do with the fact that they are now helping more people in emergency accommodation and there has been an increase in the number of Cork people and Cork families living in emergency accommodation. When we would have first started talking about people living in hotels and B&Bs and family hubs, it would have been all in Dublin. It would have been little or none 
here in Cork. That's not the case anymore. And now, even though there was a little bit of good news this week in that the homeless figures has dropped below 10,000, and that was a bit of good news, something like seven over 700 people received keys to their homes in the lead up to Christmas which certainly was fantastic news for all of those people and for their families and what a great Christmas present they got doesn't take from the fact that there's over 9,000 people of which about two and a half, three thousand of those are children are living in emergency accommodation and children would have got up this morning had their bit of breakfast, put on their school uniforms and would have gone to school by walking out the front door of a hotel. It's just no way for a child to be heading off to school. So we'll speak with the Society of Vincent de Paul about that. VHI have announced another increase in premiums and it is the second in under 12 months. So time to talk about insurance premiums, health insurance premiums and what we can all do to try to save a bit of money. And then before 12, I'm looking forward to chatting to Ellie O'Keefe. Ellie O'Keefe is from Knocknagree and last Saturday night she was on the telly she was on the voice the UK voice programme and she you know where the four judges it's blind auditions she's singing away and the four judges have their backs to her and then the chair they hit a buzzer so that their chair spins if they would like that person on their team and three of the four Judges turned for our Ellie, which was terrific. And she decided to go with the legend that is Mr. Tom Jones. And we only mentioned yesterday that Tom Jones has sold out live at the Marquee. So obviously Tom Jones has a lot of fans uh, in the area. So we're going to speak with Ellie about her journey on The Voice uh, UK. And then after 12 today, Mark Malone, our movie reviewer, will uh, join us. Some of your thoughts coming in on the NCT debacle that is at the moment. And the fact that if your NCT is due and you're heading along today or this week or next week, it's certainly for the foreseeable future, you're going to have to return a second time. Dennis said, Patricia, in the case of your first NCT, a car owner can test up to six months in advance of the first four-year test. I did not know that, Dennis. And then it is three months, which is what I mentioned for all subsequent tests. So Dennis says, I have no sympathy for those who left it till the last minute. But hang on a sec now, Dennis, because some of the people who have booked for their test, maybe their NCT isn't due up for another three months. Maybe some of them are the people who are going for their first four-year test and maybe they've booked it six months in advance. You can't say everybody is doing it at the last minute. And traditionally, I think people do wait. People do have a tendency to wait for a test like this and until the very end. It seems to, I don't know how many people actually do it three months in advance, but they do offer that facility. You, you are right, but have a bit of sympathy for them. Thank you for your, your text. Declan says, Patricia, it's a bit ironic, isn't it? And a contradiction in terms that the principle of the NCT testing is the testing and inspection of vehicles for safety of usage. But I asked the question, why wasn't their inspections carried out on the lifting equipment in their own test centres? Should they not have been getting certified as fit for use? Health and safety? Just an observation. That's a good observation, uh, Declan, as well. And bear in mind, the problem didn't wasn't spotted down in the south. It was spotted because someone at an MOT centre in Northern Ireland noticed that their scissor lift was starting to crack. So then they started looking at other scissor lifts and said, we've got a problem here, guys. So the MOT in Northern Ireland shut down immediately. Then someone down south realised, oh, 
we use the very same scissor lifts that, lifts that they use in the north and they've been installed for the same period of time. I think they were all due to be changed. I think they have a 10 year lifespan and the problem is that they're coming to the end of their lifespan. I think that's where, where the problem is arising. Uh, but that's how it got alerted down here. So I don't know. My, I don't know. You would assume that equipment like that where somebody has to walk underneath the car you would assume that it's checked, wouldn't you? And on a regular basis, obviously not. Uh, Heidi says, here we go again, Patricia, trouble with the NCT centres and people can't complete their test. But, says Heidi, I hear, and I don't know if this is true or not, if somebody wants to confirm it. If you have a test booked and you try to cancel the test, you are still charged a cancellation fee. I don't know if that's true. I'll get John Paul to check that out. And remember, this time around, it is their problem, not ours. But yet we're still asked to foot the bill. And yet they can't complete the full test. So you have to return to fin- to finish it. This used to be a public company. Now it is in uh, private hands. Well, you certainly can't cancel the test because you just want to, you just don't want to go along because they can't do the lift because under. Because of what they're offering, because they're saying to you, come in and we'll test stage one and stage two. That's what the Gardaí will be looking for. If you're stopped, you can't use as an excuse if your NCT is out of date, you can't use the excuse, well, Garda, there's no point in me going, they can't complete the test because they're offering you stage one and stage two of the test. You still have to go along. Uh, unfortunately, you can't use that as an excuse and you can't use it to cancel it. So I'll get that checked. I, did, I didn't know that there was a cancellation charge on the test, but let me, let, let us look into to that and we'll get back to you. Okay. Uh, also coming in on the NCT, Michael and Mallow. Why can't they get rid of the lift. This is a good this is a good solution. Why can't they get rid of the lift and go under the car in a pit like they used to do years ago and some garages, I think many garages still use uh, pits uh, as well. Could they not go into all the NCT centres and build an actual pit instead? And that would probably take a lot of work, wouldn't it? Some of these, some of the busier NCTs have up to four of these lifts as well. But could they look at doing that, actually have a pit and then let the inspector go under the car that way? James and Brewery says you were advised to do a pre-NCT before going for your NCT. So if they switch that pre-NCT to an actual NCT and leave the garages, conduct the underfloor part of the test and then you go to the NCT centre for the rest of the test or else let the garage do the full NCT. The garage lifts are certified and the workers are qualified. So why not go down this route, leave it to the Garage, garages if there is going to be a, a delay. Yeah, that's another solution, I think. And I think that's what they need now. Rather than than everybody saying, we don't know how long it's going to take. We don't know how much, how many of the lifts are affected. We don't know them once. We know how many are affected, how long each is going to take. Start coming up with solutions. And that could be, could that not be one possible solution where maybe they could certify a certain number of garages, even if they just did, as James says, the underfloor, the stage three part, and then go along to your NCT centre for the rest. I think they, hopefully somebody is putting, they're putting heads together and that they're trying to come up with solutions rather than just waiting for Atlas 
to sort out the problem with all of their lifts. I'm hoping somebody somewhere is coming up with a solution. 1850-333-103. John Paul is taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas and kiln dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie Eggfoil Mock Quidden and Here is Farlin. Shaw eight thrower C one oh three air kirkig. Oskliach Park Yelow Natro Mora Lediani Erin Devo Yas Dungahir Agus is Fader Shu Nutamontrige Hogalora Diger Fader Yan of Safork Ha Rian BMXan Unadakwech de Fenair Is Fader Rugby at Immertown Dollar Q Lodi Agus Ta on Dome Alm Is Fader Raika Oiler Galor does not deal Suntishatagurkig on Wayne to Fiachanisha Ha Park Yelow Natro Mora Erin Devo Yas Dungahir Nukta Quid Denanisha Is Fari Gurkig C103 Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, it was announced this week that two of the country's banks are selling off many of their ATM machines. Bank of Ireland is trying to sell off 700 with AIB looking to sell 375. The move is raising concerns that there will be a hike in fees as a result of the sell-off. Joining me is Michael Kilcoyne, who is the chairman of the Consumers Association of Ireland. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning to you, Una. Uh, you're welcome to the programme. Now, firstly, why would banks want to sell off the ATM machines? Well, obviously, they want to sell off the ATM machines because they'll probably get a better price uh, and they won't have to look after the job of filling the ATM machines with uh, money, uh, having staff going around checking them when they break down, they won't have to pay for fixing them. Um, and um, it's the the view is that they are trying to offload these, um, uh, so that they will be getting money when they sell them, and uh, they won't have to pay for 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 um, um, fixing them when they when they break down. Ongoing ongoing maintenance of them. Ongoing maintenance. Now, according to reports, it's mainly machines in retail outlets. Would that suggest that people in rural areas will be the ones most affected? that people in rural areas are the ones that's going to be affected because they are the ones that are not um, um, making sufficient money for them. They make substantial profits on these uh, in in um, um, in their own branches, in the big shopping centres and so on. But out the country, they don't the usage of them would be much lower. And, but of course you see the banks are at the moment are are covered uh, by regulations from the central bank, and that means that there is only certain charges that they can impose for the use of an ATM, where if, if they sell them off to a different organisation, that organisation may not be covered by the central bank regulations, uh, and they will be able to charge higher fees. What what kind of charges could consumers expect to pay? Well, it's very hard to know. We don't know until these guys start to impose their charges. But I can tell you that if you're overseas in some countries, you put in your cash, take out your money, the first thing you get is a message telling you, this transaction will cost you so much, it will be debited to your account, do you wish to proceed? So you have to agree to these charges before they give you your money. This is your own money you're talking about taking out. And would that, would those fees then be in addition to fees already imposed by the banks? 
Yeah, because the money will be coming out of the bank account, so the uh, bank will be charging you for that, and then the other uh, organisation will be charging you for giving you your money. Yes. <sighs> that's as I would see that's it at the moment, unless it's, unless it's going to be regulated differently, and if it was going to be regulated differently, these guys wouldn't be buying these machines. And now I have another concern, because to hear you say that the banks aren't making as much money out of the ATM machines in rural areas, is there now the danger that if the machine isn't generating enough profits for this private company, that it could be removed completely? Absolutely, yes. And that's exactly what they will do. Or they will uh, charge uh, higher charges in, in rural areas. Yes. Because these companies, the, uh, well, I suppose they're a bit like the banks themselves, they're only in business to make money. Uh, and what the bank will have done is they will have sold off this facility uh, to these other guys. And they will charge you what they feel like charging you because there is no regulation on them at the moment. Do we have many of these independent providers of ATM machines around the country already? Um, not not on the scale of this. There may be groups operating them under licenses from the banks. My understanding is that the banks wish to sell off these machines to these guys completely so that they wouldn't be operating under a franchise. They will actually own them and be able to charge what they like. So we'll have companies bidding then for these ATM machines, will we? Well, you'll have companies buying the ATM machines, as I understand it. Uh, and then they can um, charge what they like. And we will have to wait to see, does the central bank have any role over the regulation of charges? Uh, correct. But, you, uh, but, but I mean, the banks do what they like in this country. Uh, and what I'm saying to you is, uh, at the moment, we are the largest shareholders in the banks. When I say we, I'm saying the state, the yeah. taxpayer. Yeah. Um, Has it made and, much difference to us? It hasn't made any difference. No difference whatsoever because the government hasn't involved itself in it, even though they own it on our behalf and they allow all this stuff to happen. There is nothing being said by the government, nothing being said in the election campaign by either of the big parties as to what they will do about this. Are we, are we better off moving to a cashless society or does that come with as many charges? Well, there'll be charges for everything in a cashless society. Um, uh, of course they're moving to a cashless society because they want to be able, Big Brother wants to be able to uh, see every cent that you spend, where you spend it, and, and everything like that. Um, and and uh, the, 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 the fees, the cost of this will have to be borne by the consumer. Somebody is going to have to pay for it and it's going to be the consumer. And it's always the consumer. It's always the consumer. Uh, and these guys... Uh, all they do really is mind your money. You give them your money, they charge you for minding it, they charge you for taking it in, charge you for minding it, and they charge you for taking it back out. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. All right, Michael, we leave it there. Thank you for that. You're welcome. And uh, you, th- th- thanks for joining you take us. Take care. Bye bye. Right. Good morning to you. That is uh, Michael Kilcoyne, who is chairman of the Consumer Association of uh, Ireland. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. There was a text in. Let me find it so that I don't forget to mention it. Saint Patricia, could you please announce that there is a black and white lurcher missing from the Ballinine area? It was spotted in Enniskeen Central Car Park. That centre car park and and in Ballinine and on the Rossmore Road. If anybody has seen him or if anyone has taken him in, 
The listener says, I look after them very well. Oh, much loved Bet. Very worried about him as he's never strayed away like this before. 086 if anyone spotted that black and white lurcher. Uh, let's uh, take a break. Text or WhatsApp 86 Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Short Castle Street, Mallow. Open seven days for smokeless coal, turf, kiln-dried wood and gas. Lowcostfuel.ie Download the C103 app today and listen to your favourite shows on the go. Grab our podcasts and get all the latest Cork news on your phone, tablet, smart speaker and radio. Turn up the volume. We are C103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. And just on what could be charges on the ATM machines, Jim says, hi Patricia, I was in the Algarve last year and some of the ATM machines had a charge of between 2 and 3 euro for taking out your money. That's taking out your own money and you're also going to get charged by the banks. Uh, But Jim says there were others that had no charges but you had to kind of work your way around to find out which had charges and which didn't and that's the concern we have and the and backed up by the Consumers Association the fact that it's going to be rural areas where the banks are going to sell on the ATM machines people in rural areas are not going to have any choice it might be the only ATM machine in the village and they could end up with charges like that 2 or 3 euro just to take some money out of your own account 1850 there's a lot of texts coming in I will get back to them but I want to move on to a different issue because while there was a little bit of good news yesterday with the latest homeless figures showing a monthly drop of 717 people it still doesn't take away from the fact that there are 9,731 people still living in emergency accommodation. The Society of St Vincent de Paul is revealing the fact that they're working now with families in emergency accommodation and joining me, the Regional Vice President, uh, Paddy O'Flynn. Good morning to you, Paddy. Hey, good morning, Patricia. Paddy, is this something new for Vincent de Paul in Cork to be working with so many families in emergency accommodation? Yeah, Patricia, well, it's one of the many aspects of support and help we provide across the people we serve, but um, helping people in emergency accommodation, which means helping people in hotels, bed and breakfast, and indeed in Cork now as well, family hubs. This is something which we weren't doing about a year ago. It reflects uh, pressures, on, uh, pressures on families who are being, um, who have to leave their homes for various reasons and are finding themselves in uh, emergency accommodation in the in the in the well across the country, but we're talking obviously here about Cork. And uh, yes, uh, we have <clears throat> a unique group, uh, specialist group of two or three people who are now focusing on visitation and helping people in direct in uh, emergency accommodation in the Greater Cork City area. Um, and living in a hotel room, particularly with a family, Paddy brings with it a lot of extra costs. I mean, you don't have a washing machine, for example, so you're going to need to go to a laundrette. You don't have cooking facilities. Well, it, it, yeah, you, you obviously are very well aware of what's happening. The, the kind of support these people need is obviously a, a reaction to the, the circumstances they find themselves in. I mean, there are lots of things, issues they have, which we wouldn't normally think about. For example, very basic stuff. They come to these hubs with their entire belongings in black plastic bags, 
straight away there's an issue of storage. They then wind up usually in a single room, and they're not allowed to cook, in fact, in most cases. They don't, in many cases, they don't have a fridge for milk or cereals, so there are huge issues there for preparing school meals, school lunches for the kids. So the way we respond, uh, well, we respond to their need, but the particular calls for help there are in the form of vouchers and help with transport, because these people obviously have no transport of their own. And the other issue is they are moved around from hub to hub uh, for strange reasons, but um, we have to help a lot with with um, vouchers and, 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 and food and um, 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 leap cars and such like. So it's a very different world. And um, as you say, we're delighted to hear that the famous 10,000 plus has reduced by 700 in the December stats. And we can only hope and pray that um, it goes down further of a, of a, of a reduction. Um, our work, we, we, we work alongside of other homeless charities, homeless supports. Um, we're not 100% clear on the population of people in these hubs because the stats are very difficult to come by for individual counties. The latest figure we have, which was published um, last, the end of 2019, was 491 adults, but I think that includes children as well. So um, that's broadly what we do in, in, in looking after people in emergency accommodation. It's novel, and um, you know we will continue to apply our resources there as long as hopefully it, we will see the day when you won't have to be giving that kind That's of right. help yeah. uh, to people. Did you have a busy Christmas party? Yeah, we had a particularly busy Christmas. The number of calls for help to the information office in our regional office in Cork were well over 1,600 for December, which requires quite a heck of a, a lot of effort to respond. We do have about 250 well-trained volunteers in Cork, working out of about 35 what we call our branches are called conferences, and we had a very we we think by providing with fuel, vouchers, hampers, and lots of other things besides. We do believe we 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 made Christmas a happy Christmas for hopefully all of the people who well called for help. Well, well done, and people as always so generous when it comes oh, to yeah. supporting the work. And I know you, your, your car draw, did that go well for you this year? Well, the, people, the generosity of people of Cork is just incredible. Um, yeah, the, before just the car draw, I mean, the, the, the individual donations and donations from corporates, from corporates exceeded all expectations this year. Brilliant. You mentioned the car draw. The car draw uh, broke a record this year with did growth. It? The proceeds gross to 180,000 euro. Brilliant. Obviously, there'll be some cost to come off that. Yeah, yeah. And that is that is ring fit. The the proceeds there are ring fenced for work we're beginning to do more and more in meeting demands in education area. Is that for third level? It's all levels, but particularly for the education at third level. I mean, we are as it is well known that the myth. The free education, as envisaged by the great visionary Don O'Malley back in the 60s, is becoming more and more of a myth. Yeah. Um, I mean, we are meeting, we are meeting needs, we are meeting needs of people in, in primary and secondary schools. Um, but we are, we do in the society, we have a core belief that 
lifting, that providing further education does lift people permanently out of poverty. And we are now um, promoting and, 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 and advising all our conferences to do whatever they can, wherever possible, to help people, especially in, in, in further education. Um, the society as a whole nationally last year spent $3.6 million in supporting education. In Cork, we, we don't have the figures for last year, but it was well over 200,000 spent by ourselves. Um, I was looking the other day at the Susie stats, and I couldn't help thinking. Susie, as you know, probably the grant, is an acronym yeah. for Student Universal Support Ireland. Yeah. Well, I can t- tell you <laughs> and tell your listeners that the support is far from universal. And the other issue is there is that the entry point for um, for access to free education under SUSE, the, the, the family income threshold is 39,900 to get 100%. And wonder when the family income reaches 45,000, they're down to 25% support. So what we're finding is the famous squeezed middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ha- the, the and these and, and the squeeze middle experienced by families who are just above those limits. Yeah, and many and of those will find it very hard to go to the likes of your good selves, uh, Paddy. They find yeah. it, you know, because they never would have identified as they would have been people who always gave to St Vincent de Paul, and they find it very hard to say, "I need a bit of a lift up at the moment." Well, we are well aware of that, and we had a, a big seminar amongst ourselves last year, and we beginning to find ways of well done. identifying. Our society as people. Now we, we, we don't we we don't um, we have to be very careful with our with our spend here. But we do believe that we we do believe that it's it, it is money well spent. Absolutely. And we have a separate education it's subcommittee who in and special application forms, and these applications for support are interrogated, and um, the the support is provided Good. on the basis of need. And affordability. Okay, we'll talk again, Paddy. In the meantime, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. Thank you, William. Good morning to you. Bye bye. That is uh, Paddy O'Flynn, who is the Regional Vice President of the Society of Instable in Cork. A lot of texts and calls coming into the programme and also in the next hour, we're chatting about the VHI. They're putting up uh, their. premiums for the second time in under a year. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Call and collect or get seven day delivery for those cosy nights in. Lowcostfuel.ie Join Martina O'Donoghue weekdays from four on C103. The best in music, the up-to-date traffic and all the latest entertainment news. Drive time on C103 with Kellers of McCroom. The place to order your new Ford car or commercial vehicle for 2020. See kellersofmacroom.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Some of your texts coming in on... Banking on this is on two of the banks, AIB, Bank of Ireland, trying to sell off the bones of a thousand ATM machines. And the news is it's going to affect rural areas because they're selling off the bank machines that are not as busy for them. So they don't make as much money off them. They're going to sell them to a private operator because the private operator moves in and then suddenly there is going to be a charge every time you take money out. And independent operators in some countries can charge up to three euro 
every time you go to take money out of your ATM and of course what I most worry about is that this affects rural Ireland where people don't have the choice. So if you want to get money out of the machine, then you're going to have no choice, but you're going to have to pay these new charges if and when uh, they come in. Dick says, what would worry him about this story is you'll be back to when people had shoe boxes under the bed full of cash and then homes being burgled left, right and centre. He would really worry that if people are move, you know, feel that they're being screwed by the banks that they'll move away and nobody wants the situation of having money in a shoebox or a biscuit tin box under the bed. Actually, did you see that story during the week out of Scotland of a woman who was... Well, she was... She was trying to be good. She was trying to be nice to her mother and she decided she'd do a bit of a January clean out in her mother's kitchen. So she went into the food press and there was a load of containers that were empty or half empty. And, you know, the food press and the things at the back that were out of date and all of that. So she scooped them all and went off down to the landfill and handed them in and dumped them, only to discover that she has thrown out her mother's life saving savings and her mother's life savings amounted to 20,000 pounds. And the mother, the poor elderly woman, had the money hidden in Bisto gravy tins. I think about five of them. And the mother, the daughter, of course, just shook them and, and couldn't hear any gravy granules in them, didn't look into them, said, oh, they're empty and threw them all and went down to the tip. So, of course, she rushed back down to the tip and there was two very kindly workers who scoured the tip for hours before they eventually found one. And after they found one within 20 minutes, they, they found the other four. And the unnamed woman was overcome with relief. I'm sure she was. And I'd say her mother was even more overcome with relief. So, Sorry, I digress. But Dick, yeah, we do not want people, certainly we do not want people going back to keeping money under their beds. Someone else makes a point, would AIB banking in post offices be affected uh, by this? Um, I hope not. And I wouldn't. My instinct would say no, because they're the machines they're making money from. It seems to be the machines, they're not, they're not as busy, whereas the ones inside the post offices would, would be quite busy. Whereas ones in like smaller garages, little supermarkets in, in rural areas, it's those kind of ones I'm imagining. And it's looking like they are the ones that they want to uh, sell off. Uh, Tim and Yall says, watch the gap. The obvious contenders for the new ATM ownership are the cash in transit companies. They already service and reimburse them with cash. They're not regulated like the banks, so they can vary the costs of the withdrawals. And that, I think, is what most people is, are worried about. You know, how, how, how much will the costs go up to? And uh, Tim also has a text in on the NCT issue. The testers have failed the testing. Tim says, in my opinion, anyone who has to return to have their vehicle retested due to the fault of the testers, then the vehicle owners should be compensated. Full stop. It does not happen if if this does not happen, is it not an indication of total disregard for the public compound, compounded by the judicial system? In other words, they'll use the force of the law to their benefit to avoid paying compensation because they secure the contract for the next 10 years. It would only ever happen in Ireland, says uh, Tim, who I take it is of the view, do what they've done up north and just stop all the NCTs or the MOTs as they are, are in the north and wait until this problem has been uh, sorted out. Some of your texts in, Patricia, on the subject of NCTs. Why should they be allowed to issue a fail certificate just because their equipment is out of order and then they expect the customer to come back again some other day? That is simply not fair. I send my car to my garage every time that the NCT is due. 
I would be furious, said Teresa, if I was given a failed certificate for the test as I don't want the failed certificate. Not to mind having to go back a second time uh, to them. So Teresa, not impressed at all. Someone said they need new lifts. They were probably never serviced since they were put in. They need to close the NCT until this fault has been uh, addressed. And John says, I got a full certificate, full NCT certificate in McCroom when the second part of the test wasn't working, i.e. the rollers didn't have to come back. This was about two years ago. And by the way, I got my test done in November. It was due on the 6th of January. So John is one of the ones and we and we did tell people before Christmas as well. We did get the word out to people. I tried to get the word out to people because we knew there would be a backlog in January. We weren't expecting something like this to arise, but we knew that there would be a lot of people scrambling to get tests. And do you remember the reason it came up in conversation was we were led to believe that the guards could impound your car if you didn't have an NCT. There was query over your insurance wouldn't be valid if you didn't have a valid NCT certificate. So there was a bit of a rush. So we were saying to people, get in there and you could get in there three months in advance. So it looks like a number of people did. Audrey says, could they not send the cards to a DOE garage instead? I don't know. And someone else says, close down the NCT centres until it's all sorted. That's what a lot of people are saying. And on the cancellation, do you remember somebody contacted us to say, do you realise if you, if you cancel the test, there is a charge? And I wasn't aware of it. So I got John Paul to check it. If you cancel your confirmed appoint- appointment with less than five working days notice, Monday to Friday, not including the day of the test, or you fail to show up on the day of the test, it's a €22 Euro surcharge automatically applied to your card and when you next bring your or when you next bring your car car in for testing and a similar surcharge of eleven euro fifty will apply to the case of a retest if you don't show up for that either. So they catch you any which way. But there's no point cancelling if you if your NCT is due, there is no point cancelling the test because what the Road Safety Authority are saying is you still need to bring your vehicle for inspection. You still need to do everything that needs to be done so that you are abiding by the law because if you're stopped by the Gardaí and your NCT is out of date by six months you can't use this as as an excuse. You need to have either the valid NCT or failing that if you go in yesterday, today over the next number of weeks and you get a failed one you will have the inspection report which the RSA are saying you need to now keep in the car. Put it in that little filing cabinet that you have in the back seat. Eileen and Charleville, this is a kind of a gripe about the NCT, saying they won't retest the car on the same day. Do you know if you go in and there's something wrong with the car, like there's a bulb gone, and say you go to the garage and you get the bulb fixed and you go back with your car, they won't test the car on the same day. They insist, according to Eileen, even if there's a slot available, they insist that you have to book it online, um, uh, that you can't do it at the centre, you have to book it online. Well, that's only if it has to be retested, because I know... My own hubby failed his NCT just actually the start of January and it was something that he just had to get fixed and then they just had to take a look at it in order for him to get the certificate. And I went online 
thinking I had to book him back in even though there was no charge for it and they wouldn't let me book it in online he just had to call in in person so I'm assuming Eileen what you're talking about it's not a visual inspection it's an actual inspection where they need to you know put it back up on the lift or put put it on um, do an actual retest on your car Eileen says why is the NCT not regulated under the same way the garages are regulated in that all of their equipment needs to be regularly uh, checked Uh, garages have so many rules and regulations like when they need to get rid of waste oil like brake fluid etc there's so many regulations massive regulations about the disposal of tyres all their equipment has to be up to date but it doesn't look like the same rules are applying to a private company like the NCT why is that happening 1850 now just on a couple of other things coming into the programme let me go back to some of the texts that have come in haven't seen this programme so I'll give it out to see if anybody else has seen it. This one says, Patricia, I saw a programme last night called Traveller's Guide. Anybody watching that? Anybody seen that? I don't know what channel it is on. But this listener says, the cruelty that was shown on a young deer that they then ate for supper was savage. And this listener feels that the programme should have come with some kind of a warning. You know, often those programmes, if you are going to see a level of cruelty, it will come because if, if you know, I'm normally no good to watch those things. So if it comes with a warning like that I'll either be sitting with a cushion on my lap so I can put the cushion up so I don't have to look at the TV or else I'll just switch over the channel but this sister reckons no warning was given Traveller's Guide I don't know if anybody else has seen that or anybody has a view and John in the city has been on to us said, Patricia early in the week you were talking about the charges from GP practices for blood tests and it came up because we people on medical cards were getting charged for blood tests. Not all GP practices but some GP practices are charging and some are practice charging more than others and that then led I think to a whole kind of a debate on the whole area of people charge, charges at GP practices and consultants I think got mentioned as well. Well John says doesn't fall into the category of being a medical card I'm a private patient and I got the flu and pneumonia vaccination recently and the charge was 50 euro. If I was to get my annual cholesterol blood test done on the same day then the charge would have been €80. Euro. These are carried out by the nurse in the practice. Five minute consultation with the doctor just to check my blood pressure and to re- write a renewal prescription for my blood pressure medication. That costs me €60. Euro. Are these charges excessive, John is wondering. In the past, a person could go into a public health hospital and get a blood test done for free. Like in the case of John's cholesterol test, he could walk in for free can you check my cholesterol please and then they send on the results I think they sent the results both to John and to the the GP practice anyway do any of your listeners know if this service is still available or if it's available is there now a charge for it would it work out cheaper for those living near a hospital my doctor's practice by the way is in the city and we're not naming any of the doctor's practices because they all have their own charges and they all have their own reasons for charging Uh, the charges that John makes are they excessive it is now, I think most GP practices, it's €60 Euro for a standard visit, even though John's standard visit is go in, check my, how are you doctor, check my blood pressure there, right, prescription, off you go and you toodaloo on your, your merry way. There isn't a lot to be done there. The Getting the flu jab and getting the annual cholesterol blood test on the same day, charging 50 for the flu and pneumonia vaccine and another 30 for the blood test. That to me sounds a bit excessive, but obviously it's it's what they're charging. But could you get that annual blood test, which would certainly save you the 30 euro, 
Can you get that? Can that still be done in a public hospital? There certainly was a time where people were going, were, went, could go to the hospital and get their bloods taken. Does anybody know if that's still possible? If so, what hospitals are doing it? And more importantly, if they are doing it, are they doing it for free or have they now introduced a charge on it? If you can let us know on that one, please. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103. 103. C103 Jobs. With Hewitt College, now enrolling for full-time fifth and sixth year and repeat Leaving Cert programs. Your success is built on their experience. See hewittcollege.ie. An accounts assistant is wanted that's at Inchidani Island Lodge and Spa, while a general operative, preferably from a construction background, that's wanted in the North Cork area. Kitchen assistant is wanted that's to work in Waterfall near Cork and general operatives wanted for a laundry department in a new facility in McCroom. Full training is to be provided. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Cork today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas and kiln dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. Now, health insurer VHI is to increase its prices for the second time in less than, than a year. So to discuss rising premiums and how to avoid paying too much for our health insurance, I'm joined by Dermot Good, independent health insurance expert with TotalHealthCover.ie. Good morning to you, Dermot. Good morning, Patricia. And uh, you're welcome to the programme. OK, why are VHI, what are they saying to justify a second increase in under 12 months? And like it's well under 12 months. I think it was, was it August of last year they put them up again? That's right. Yeah, that's right. They had a they had an average increase um, back in August of six percent across most of their plans, and now they've just announced a further one of two percent. And and the danger here, first of all, now Patricia, is that people might think, oh well, it's only two percent. Now, first of all, that's an average. The second thing is that's an average that you have to add onto the one that's let's just say coming everybody's way from last August. So if my renewal is the first of May or first of March with VHI. I have 6% already coming my way, average. Add on 2%, that's 8% average. And depending on the plan that I'm on, you know, my, my increase could be 10 15% depending wow. on the plan. So so it's this is not to be sneezed at. Now, to be fair to VHI, they're not alone. Um, all the insurance companies. So last June, July, Irish Life and Leia Healthcare increased their rates. They had follow-up increases back in November, Irish Life again in January, now VHI. Look, we're, we're back into this cycle of regular, frequent, small increases. And really what, what's going on here, uh, Patricia, is that more and more people are now, they're now going directly to the private hospitals uh, rather than the public hospitals. That's what seems to be happening. Um, and there's, look, there's because no of the trolley, that, Because of the trolley crisis in the exactly. A&Es. Yeah. Well, everybody's, look, you know, whether they're right or wrong, everybody is reading and seeing and hearing all the stories about, let's just say, the, the shocking delays that, that people are experiencing trying to access essential medical care in all of our public hospitals. And, and it is shocking. And that's what's, what's happening. People are now, I suppose, at one level, it's a positive. They're using their cover and they're going straight to the private hospitals. So, you know, in Cork, the likes of the Bonds and the likes of, let's just say, the Matter Private. Um, and even people now, 
like they're going to the likes of Swift Care or the Aphidia. They're even using, let's just say, the medical assessment unit there in the bonds where you can literally go straight in with a GP referral. People are pretty much doing everything they can now in lots of cases, unless it's an emergency. We're, we're talking really now about elective treatment. So they're basically going to the private hospitals. And that's a positive in that they're using their cover but the knock-on effect of that, Patricia, is there's more claims coming through. So what we're seeing the insurance companies doing is moving to, I suppose, cover the extra cost of the claims because we all want to be fully covered. So I suppose we're not surprised at these increases. We prefer there are none. But look, medical inflation is running at between 5 and 8%, and a lot of these increases are in line with that. Um, you know, so as I say, we're not surprised, at least it's not the 20, 30, 40% we're seeing in other insurance industries. Um, and really, if if, if anything... What this means to your listeners is they just need to shop around. I mean, look, there's some fantastic deals. I see there's more new plans coming on the market. There's discounts there for children under 18. There's free cover with Leia at the moment for children under 18. So there are phenomenal plans. Like, even with this, Patricia, too many of your listeners are still on the old plans. They're still but you see, the, isn't, 20, 30 years old. You know, when, when I saw and heard that VHI were putting up their prices, I mean, VHI, they're still the largest health insurer aren't they, in this country? They are. So we and have, predominantly a lot of older people who started their health insurance with VHI are still with VHI. Yeah, that is still the case. Uh, and not surprisingly so, but that still is the case. Now, the only thing is, though, you know, Irish Life Health, who took over Aviva and Glow Health, they also have a lot of members, like they're here now on the market a long time. And Leia Healthcare the old Boop Ireland, like they're here since 1997. So, you know, there are people, let's just say, for example, Patricia, there are people insured on the Level 2 hospital scheme with Irish Life paying €3,000 per adult. They shouldn't be. There's people with Leia Healthcare on their Essential Plus schemes paying 2850 to 3760 and they shouldn't be paying that either. And there's also people still on the old, what we would call now the old names, Plan B options and Plan B with VHI paying 2100 uh, to 2,500. And once again, in most of those cases, when a review is done, they realise they are way overpaying. And and people, unfortunately, attribute the amount of money they're paying and they basically, well, that's what the plan is worth. That is completely incorrect. Those people are paying those premiums not because that's what the plans are worth. They are they are at that price because they're on the market for 10, 15, 20 years and they've been hit by every price increase. And And what I would say... To all of your maybe older listeners listening to this morning who are on those plans and who don't have that kind of money and each year struggle, I suppose, to, to find the money to pay those premiums. But they're, they're afraid. A lot of them are scared stiff to switch. And, mm. and we would say to them, get advice. Get one of your family members, you know, get your sons, your daughters, get them to do it with you and for you. We do this all the time where we actually we're speaking to the sons and daughters. Mom and dad are in the room. And basically, we're going through all the details, and and they they hold their parents' hands and they walk them to, or walk them through the process. Well, I think every single time, every single time we have you on, I guarantee you, we will get at least one call or a letter or an email in from somebody to say, "Thank you for that interview with Dharma Good. We listened. My mum listened. My dad listened, uh, and we saved money. And like big sums of money have been saved." Well, let me give you an example right now. Now, I'm not saying these plans are perfect for everybody, but right now three of the best private room corporate plans in the market. So these plans now are better, in my view, than the plans I just called out. So, for example, Irish Life have a fantastic private room corporate plan called 4D, 4D Health 4. It's €1,587. It'll actually cover a private room in the Bonds in Cork and the Matter Private in Cork. Super cover. VHI have a plan called Company Plan Extra Level 1. 
which is 1,670. Uh, also very good cover. And Leia have a plan called, well, they have a number of plans, but this one is called Care Select, and that's €1,556. Now, I can't say to your listeners that they are the right plans for them, but I would say to them, check out those plans, because, like, you know, all of those plans, they're nearly half the cost of the plans we just mentioned previously. And even though they mightn't be exactly like for like, and you might get extras in some respect, but you might have to maybe reduce other benefits, you know, if you have two adults on those plans, those plans will put €2,000 back into your back pocket, okay? And you will still have superb cover. And you'll be bringing your cover right up to date. And lots of times people worry about having to change. Sometimes you don't even have to change insurance company. You can actually get a better deal with them. And a good advisor will always start with your current insurance. And But then if your current insurance doesn't or can't give you what you need, well, then they'll broaden the research out and they'll look at all the plans. But I can guarantee your listeners, with 340 plans out there, there is something there for everybody. And nobody, Patricia, if there's anything to take from this interview, do not let your, you know, your relatives, your parents, do not let them what we call auto-renew. And that just means they do nothing. And they let their policy roll over for another year. And all they're doing is they're just paying, they're, they're throwing more money, you know, on top of, let's just say, what, are, what already is an overly priced plan. And that's what the companies hope you do. Can... Can you can you try and explain why do we need or why do the companies need 340 plans? Why can't they make it a little bit easier for us all? <clears throat> yeah, to be fair to them, um, well, there's a couple of things going on here now. You see, the legislation is very restrictive. So if an insurance company wants to amend a benefit, so for example, Patricia, let's just say whatever plan you're on, let's just say you wanted, you wanted a change to your benefits, Okay. The only way the insurance company can do that for you, they can't just change the benefit for you on that plan. They actually have to bring out a brand new plan with the amended benefits on it. That's the law. So every time they want to make a change to a benefit, every time they want to introduce new benefits, um, whatever they need to do, in most cases, they actually have to bring out a new plan to do just that. And that's why the insurance companies, that's why they have so many plans. Because, look, every company, everybody has different preferences. And, and the problem is, actually, to be fair to the insurance companies, when they try and retire some of the older plans, um, consumers don't like that. A lot of people have, you know, have complaints about their plan being removed from the market, and uh, even though it might be overly priced. So it, it's, it's kind of a function of the market as to why we have so many plans. Now, what I would say to people is, look, don't focus on the number of plans, you know, whether it's utility bills or whether it's mobile phone bills, you know, there or even pensions or investments. There's hundreds of policies available under every insurance category. Really, what you have to do is you have to engage with your insurance company prior to the renewal. You have to get them to try and give you a better deal, okay, a lower premium, similar similar benefits, get them to explain everything. But if you don't engage, Patricia, it doesn't matter whether there's 10 plans or whether there's, let's just say, 350. If you don't engage and do it in time, you're going to end up paying too much. And I can tell you right now, look, there's semi-private corporate plans on the market there now. There are fantastic plans for young adults that are around €900. Euro. And by the way, any young young person listening to this now, a lot of young people, they fall into the trap that they think that they don't need health insurance and they think that the public system will look after them and they think it's free. And they don't realize that if they end up in CUH um, or any public hospital around the country, you have to pay €80 Euro per night, up to 800 in every year. Um, and, and that applies to children as well. So, like, for example, you can get children insured for €190, Euro, free in some cases. Um, people don't realise that if a child ends up in the hospital for two weeks to have an emergency appendectomy, you must pay that public hospital €800, Euro, unless mm-hmm. they have a medical card. So, 
there's a lot of myths floating around out there. And, and look, whilst I, people would say, well, of course he would say take out private health insurance. I mean, Patricia, the waiting lists are getting longer and longer. There is more pressure on the public system. And unfortunately, even young people who are in perfect health, they might have a sports injury tonight. And if they go over on their ankle or damage their cruciate, you know, they will wait 6 to 12 months on our public system to get treated. If they have health insurance or a lot of money, they can get that done in a private hospital. They could get their MRI done pretty much tonight or tomorrow morning and then get their surgery done within two or three weeks. And unfortunately, that's the reality, whether we like it or not. Yeah, and, and that's not going to change anytime soon, no matter what promises we're hearing from all of the election candidates. The listener says, hi, Patricia. Um, I have public plus care day to day for myself and my family with VHI. I've been with it for years. How is that plan? Okay, so they're not going to like what I'm going to say to them. Uh, well, first of all, they're not overspending. So that is basically, that plan right now is about €570 Euro with VHI. But Patricia, it is, it's an entry-level plan. It only covers public hospitals. Um, and all I would say to that person is, look, at least they have some cover in place. They are covered for public hospitals. But look, down the road, if and when they can, I would I'd be encouraging them to upgrade their cover so they're covered in public hospitals and private hospitals. Because unfortunately now there's so much pressure on the public hospitals and a lot of you, you've heard, you know, the ex-minister Harris stating that all the new contracts they're bringing out uh, for consultancy posts will be to work in public hospitals only. So we're going to find more and more pressure on the public system. If if that listener wants at some stage to be able to go into the likes of the Bonds in Cork, they will need to go onto a plan. For example, the one plan 250 with VHI, which is 896. And um, that's the kind of plan they need to go on. One other thing, Patricia, for any of your listeners who are wondering, well, what's the, because we keep talking about corporate plans in the market all the time, and these are the best deals, but anybody can join them. The three best semi-private corporate plans, <clears throat> excuse me, right now, and these are plans that will cover a semi-private room in the bonds, and they will give you money back on all your routine expenses. So 50% back on every GP and consultant visit. The three best schemes right now, 4D Health 2 from Irish Life, €1,315. Euro. Uh, the PMI, actually a, a better one with VHI, Company Plan Plus, and I'm sorry about these names now, Company okay. Plan Plus Level one3 €1,193 Euro from VHI. And finally, with Leia Healthcare, Simply Connect, which is 1230 So if somebody's thinking of joining or if somebody's thinking maybe of upgrading their cover, they are the three probably best corporate plans in the market right now and that anybody can join. And, and whilst I can't tell your listeners they're perfect for them, they are well worth they're looking well, at. They're, they're worth looking at. Mary's in Boston. There is a two-year waiting list for a condition that either herself or her husband has. I'm not sure. She's 70. Husband is 71. She's tried to switch, but nobody will cover for the condition. She has to wait two years. No, she's not getting correct information there now at all. Um, so here's the thing. No insurance company can stop you from switching. They must take you on. doesn't matter what existing conditions you have. What she may be referring to there is the upgrade rule. Now, the upgrade rule, it's very fair. It's never explained properly, but it applies equally across all the insurance companies. So if somebody switches from a current plan to a better plan, okay, a higher plan, it doesn't matter whether it's with their current insurance company or with a, with a different insurer. If you have an existing condition and you switch to a plan that gives you better cover for that existing condition, all the insurance companies will turn around and say to you, okay, for the next two years, because you're upgrading your cover, for the next two years, the existing condition, will we'll be covered, but we're only going to give you what you would have got on the previous plan. Uh, any new conditions that arise after you change plan will be yeah, okay. covered on the higher plan straight away. It's just, I tell you, 
and, and, and I feel sorry for that person, but here's what happens, Patricia, if they don't put that rule in place. Irish people are great at sussing out all the little anomalies, right? And if there's any little opportunity there, you know, so here's the thing, if they didn't have that upgrade rule in place, people would stay on the lower plans all yeah, the time. Absolutely. And they don't absolutely. upgrade when they need to. So that's why it's there. Okay, hi, uh, Patricia Dermot. I'm with VHI for years and thank God uh, I never had to use them much. But last year I needed an operation. The doctor told me to go private because if I go public I'd be waiting a couple of years. I'd be dead if I'd had to wait. Had my operation in the bonds and I'm in good health now. Thank God for private health insurance. Can Esther says, can you change the plan before renewal date? Okay, so here's the thing. With Irish Life Health and with Leia Healthcare, you can change your plan and stay with them at any time during the year, up or down, okay? So they're very flexible. VHI used to only let you make changes from the renewal date. We understand that from last August, they have changed their rules now, so they will allow you upgrade your cover mid-year, but only upgrade, okay? But if somebody wants to do a full review across their plans, um, Patricia, and, and look at getting the best plan across the market, they can only do that from the renewal date. Now, what we would say to people, you get your renewal notice from the insurance company four weeks before the renewal date. You also have a two-week cooling off period. So some of your listeners now might be due to renew tomorrow, the 1st of February, and they might have already phoned the insurance company and made a decision and even paid their premium up front for the year. No problem. They actually have another two weeks. They have a 14-day cooling off period, which means they have up to the 14th of February to basically make changes, cancel their policy, do whatever they want, and even if they pay the premium up front for the year, they will get a full refund. So everybody gets the four weeks notice beforehand and the two-week cooling off period. So really what we would say to people, as soon as that renewal notice lands, get on the phone, start engage working with out. the insurance and start working. Yeah. Too many people, Patricia, leave it to the last yeah, minute. Yeah, you know, and, yeah. and, and then you're under pressure. You do not want to be making a decision you know, under pressure. Um, always give yourself plenty of time because it is an important decision. You want to make sure you have the right cover and you make the right choice. And that's why we would say to people, look, if you're bamboozled by all the plans, if you're worried about losing cover, if you have existing conditions, if you're elderly and you don't understand the terminology and doing everything on the email, Get an advisor. There's plenty of advisors around the country who specialize in health insurance. Just make sure they deal equally with all the insurance companies, okay? So you're getting advice across all the three and providers. You get, and to get the, the best value and the, and the best exactly. cover. Let them do the heavy lifting for Francis you. Francis is in Bantry, uh, is on Plan Health Access with VHI. Two people, one over 60, one over 70. Uh, can we get better cover? We paid €3,700 currently. Yeah, you see, if they're on the Health Plus Excess scheme, the Health Plus Excess scheme right now, now it is good cover. It's €1,879 per adult. Um, now, but it's an old plan, Patricia. It's an old plan, and in our view, it's too expensive. So I would give them two plans to look at. Now, the problem is the corporate plans with VHI, there's always a catch. So that person is fully covered for hips, knees, and shoulders in terms of getting the replacements done. If they were to go on the corporate plans with VHI, they won't be fully covered for those surgeries. Yeah. But we understand that. Well, do you know, Patricia, I'm less worried about that than I used to be because I understand, for example, the likes of the Bonds in Cork, I understand that this would have to be checked. But my understanding is they're waiving those shortfalls. So okay. if that person wanted to stay with VHI, they could check out a plan called PMI 3613, uh, which is €1,317. Euros, so they'll save €550 Euro per adult. Okay, Nice uh, saving. PMI 3613. Absolutely. If the plan suits them, it means they're going to be €1,100 Euro better off. If they're open to switching, then they and if they don't want to lose the orthopaedic cover, get them to check out the Simply Connect Plus 
with Leia. Simply Connect Plus, €1,330. So, in summary, their plan is good. It's very dated. In our view, it's, op- it's, it's overly expensive. Uh, and, can I, and can I also say, because I can see from the calls coming into John Paul, people are telling John Paul their age or they're texting their age. age. Age doesn't come into it, does it, with... No, it doesn't. Uh, the only thing, Patricia, it doesn't come into it in that whether you're 26 or 96, every yeah. plan I've mentioned is available to everybody. But yeah. look, a good advisor, look, a good advisor will look for what they call a risk indicator. So they'll profile people. So for example, like Patricia, if I'm talking to somebody who's 76, I have a completely different approach to a 26-year-old yeah, and the yeah. 76. Because yeah. look, we look for risk, you have to manage risk, you have to look at all kinds of things like medical history, their appetite for excesses. And sometimes people... And we, we, we understand this. Sometimes people will say to us, look, you know, I know I'm being irrational, but I want to stay with my current insurance company. No problem. Now, unless we think they're being completely irrational, we will show them the other deals. But we have lots of clients who just want to stay with their current provider. And you know what? The last thing you want to do is be stressing over this. So, you know, a good advisor will try and find them a good deal within whatever their parameters are. But you don't necessarily have to change. However, I would say to everybody, Think of this like car and home insurance. There is no such thing as loyalty in health insurance. None whatsoever. They're not allowed to reward you for being loyal. The premiums, the benefits are the same for everybody on the same plan. You know, so people might think, well, I've been... People will say to me sometimes, oh, my my health insurance company has been very good to me. To be honest with you, Patricia, they haven't. They just paid out. You actually picked the right plan. They paid out based on the plan that you had, and obviously you had adequate cover. But if you didn't have adequate cover in place, the 30 years membership is irrelevant. They will still not pay the full bill if you don't have the proper cover. So I would say to people, be open-minded. Don't worry about the name over the door. You know, check out all the options, but make sure you shop around it each year because too many people are, are overspending. And we're talking about thousands, not hundreds of euro here. And let us end on a very positive uh, note. Thank you, Patricia. I've already saved a substantial amount of money as I use the service of Dermot Good. Well worth the consultation. It was fantastic. There you go. Nice positive well, one to end well, with. So well, it's nice to, nice to hear. Good for something. I, go. I, I, I don't talk, but thanks. For <laughs> Totalhealthcover.ie. Dermot, a pleasure as always. We'll talk again. Thank you for that. Thank you, Patricia. And thanks uh, for joining us. 1850 John Paul taking your calls, text WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Open seven days for smokeless coal, turf, kiln dried wood, and gas. Lowcostfuel.ie. So, you've got a smartphone or tablet. Download the C103 app today and listen to your favourite shows on the go. On your phone, tablet, smart speaker, and radio. We are C103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. Now, a singer from Knocknagree in northwest Cork and look forward to being mentored by musical legend Tom Jones after impressing three of the four judges and the audience with their performance on the new series of The Voice UK, which airs on Saturday nights, 8 o'clock on Virgin Media One. Ellie O'Keefe from Knocknagree joins me, but she's actually joining me on the line from London, where she is now based. Um, good afternoon. Oh, good morning. It's still morning time. Good morning to you, Ellie. Hi, how are you? Well, firstly, congratulations. It was absolutely fantastic. How, when was that piece actually recorded? Um, so, so the show, you mean? Yeah, the, what we saw last week. Yeah, so it's all pre-recorded in like maybe a few weeks beforehand. So it was pretty strange for myself watching that because I hadn't seen any of it either, even though I had known that I'd, I'd, I'd gotten through, you know. 
So, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite a, an intense whirlwind of a few months, I'll say. <laughs> and you, did you have to keep that news quiet? Were you allowed to share it with well, people? Of, of course. No, no, I have to keep it quiet because obviously the public don't know. So you have to, you have to still kind of film the, um, the rounds like a few weeks before and it, before it's aired, you know. Yeah. And your dad travelled over. Yes, so my mom and my dad and my sister were there with me for the blind audition. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so where I know you can't talk about where you're at. Are you? Because you, we're not at the live stage yet. How many weeks away are we from the live? Oh no, no weeks and weeks and weeks. Ah, right, okay. Weeks. Like the live shows don't start till the end of March. Like, so only the final like um, eight get you to the to the live to the the first uh, live semi final. So there's like the, the blind audition the battle rounds and the knockouts. So all those rounds are films. And then if you get through all those, you get you make it to the so first the live show, which will be the end of uh, March. And so, ha- have um, you filmed any uh, of that? Have you have you filmed I'm, any of that yet? I'm preparing for the battle now. Okay. Like, so basically there's 10, um, there'll be 10 contestants. At, like at the moment, no, Tom has seven on his team. So by the time he fills up to the 10, then they'll start working on, basically, you have to do a duet with one other person after your team, and Tom can only take five through, then yeah. from the battle to the knockouts. So it's like, and then it is like pre-filmed and stuff, but like, it is kind of sworn to secrecy how, you know, you got to just kind of get on with it yourself, and until you're told it's going to be aired, then you can't really say anything about it. So, but I mean, I'm I, all I'll say is, obviously, I'm true to the next round, so I've been kind of just working on, on songs and working with Sam's team and stuff and it's been pretty like mind-blowing I suppose kind of talking to Sam Jones about songs and stuff like that you know um, Well it's funny yeah. it's even even hearing you talk about Tom you you said he's like my all oh, my buddy my friend Tom Jones I know everyone's always laughing at me in school because I'm like <laughs> They're like, oh, we'll see you tomorrow. I'm like, no, 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 I'm out tomorrow because I'm filming with Tom. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry, your friend Tom. <laughs> <laughs> and no, and I don't. I meant to call him, like you know, he's, he's promising. <laughs> well, and when well, when you're talking to him next, you can tell him we're all very excited about him coming to Cork. <laughs> he sold out the marquee; all the tickets are gone. Oh, he heard, I heard this yesterday. He sold it out yesterday. Completely now, this gone. Hilarious because everybody in Ireland is like, "Oh, I'm rooting for Ellie for marquees for Tom." But you know, I I you know I haven't heard anything from him or his team in terms of whether or not I'll be coming to Cork with him. Obviously, I'd love to like sing a song with him or do support him or something like that. But I haven't heard anything. But it is it is quite a strange uh, coincidence, you know, that like I'm like the only Cork person on his team, you know, and he's playing in Cork in June, which will be about maybe six weeks after the show actually is finished. So um, it'll be interesting to see whether or not he'll remember me by then. <laughs> and as you say, you are available. Yeah, well. You know, you, you got to make yourself available <laughs> for that sort of gig. <laughs> Tell, how long are you? Bet you went to London a couple of years ago, was it? Uh, six years ago, actually. Oh, is um, it okay? Did, yeah, no, it's quite a bit. Like I was, like I, I'm from Nottingham Green, but I lived in Cork City for about eight years. And I was, I was actually, I was on your show before, actually, when I released my first album. John Paul was the just. Book, ter- how many years ago yeah, was that? It, it's actually ten years ago, oh. November. Yeah, yeah. Goodness. So, like so, about nine years ago. Yeah, I was I was twenty one or twenty two when I released it, and um, I went out. I actually it was, it was another Cork singer songwriter, Hank Goodell. Actually, I remember that he drove out, and the two of us did a radio interview, and I was promoting my album, and he was just promoting some songs he'd written. I think at the time, I think um, 
I think the song was listened and, and Christy Moore had covered it. So, uh, but it's, it, that's years ago now. Like, I mean, it's, it's and actually, we had we had Hank Widell join us in studio on Christmas Eve this year. Oh, isn't yeah. that mad? Yeah, yes. sure. I played I played a good few gigs with Hank back in back in the day. It was great, great fun. Myself, Hank, and another um, piano player, Del Curtin, who now runs the venue Collins in Cork over yeah. in the south. Yeah, um, I actually do a gig there every Christmas since I've moved away. I was saying it there the other morning, actually, on another radio interview, and it's been like. I swear, I, I like since they aired the show last Saturday night. I, I, I can't believe the support and just the general like, like proudness I'm feeling from home. Like it's really overwhelming. Honestly, I get emotional even thinking about it because you know when I was based in Cork for eight years and I released my first album and you know everyone was rooting for me back then, just the same way they are now. And it feels like I just haven't left at all. You know, even though I moved to London to try and pursue like a, you know a career. In the music industry, you know, and it was it was very hard, like. Um, and are you and gig? I, are you gigging in London? I am, but I'm doing like I joined the band about four years ago. It was like a function called band, you know, like it was just for work, really. Um, and I do some solo gigs, and then the odd time I might do like an original Elio Keith gig, like maybe in the city. But I teach three days a week and stuff, so it's kind of hard to balance the artist. I know. Like, That's why this actual, this program yeah. and the winning of this program could be life-changing for you? Well, of course, like, it's all about... I mean, I, I have been, like, pushing my own career along. Like, my first two years in London when I moved, which would have been 2014, when I moved, I just solely did my own career. I worked really hard for two years with a great producer called Joe Hurst, and I recorded an EP, and I went on a little tour around the UK and in Ireland. But, I mean, I was funding it myself. I had no, no. backing, I had no manager, no agent. All I had was that producer helping me. He was... And, you know, we know it was very, very hard. It was a really tough slog, like. And then I had a stint where I worked at BMG Publishing for a while and I was, they were kind of pushing me towards Radio 1. And, like, I just wasn't commercial enough, I don't think. I'm more of a kind of folk, rootsy kind of songwriter. And then that kind of fizzled out. And I just kind of got sick of it then. And then I joined this band in London and naturally I found my way into the Irish kind of community and the, mu- the musicians over here and... Then, like, I met my boyfriend, actually, in that band, and then throughout that, I, I got a teaching job, and, yeah, it's all just kind of accumulated and say, you know, I have a really good life here, and I'm very, very lucky. I, I love my job. Like, I I love teaching kids and stuff, and it's only three days a week, so it still gives me it's time. It's perfect. You can still, you can still do yeah. the music. And do you, you mentioned you were home for Christmas. Do you get, do you get back yeah. to Knocknagree much? Um, I try and come home maybe every every three, four months. So, like, last year now, I was home maybe three or four times. Ah, yeah. yeah. And um, it's only a yeah. short oh, hop. Yeah. It's perfect. It's it's only a short hop. Um, okay, we, we we will speak again to you uh, as the <laughs> process rolls on. And I appreciate you yeah. can only tell us so much each time. But listen, course, we are course. so... I won't, I won't spoil it for But you. listen, we are so proud of you. I mean, it's just oh, incredible. The amount so of people talking about you is great. <laughs> Best of luck. And we'll, we'll be flying the flag this end, all right? Oh, God bless. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye bye. I'm going to play a little bit. This was Ellie. This was Ellie on Saturday.
incredible, isn't she? I'm, I'm pity I can't play. I'm, I'm caught uh, with time. But we will have her back on the programme and we certainly will play more of her music. She's so Eva Cassidy, Janice Joplin. She's just, she really is uh, incredible. That is uh, Ellie O'Keefe and she performed uh, the, that song River on the Voice UK 2020 Blind Auditions and she's on Team Tom. Go Team Tom. 1850-333-103. We're going to take a break. News at 12 midday. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Call and collect or get seven day delivery for those cosy nights in. Lowcostfuel.ie. Nick Richards plays Cork's greatest hits for your workday on C103. I'm here playing greatest hits from Ed Sheeran. I lost the ability to be able to go out to a supermarket and buy a loaf of bread about three years ago. Robbie Williams. It's very difficult to turn off, to be honest. Even Madonna. I actually learn more from my mistakes than my, my victories, so to speak. Playing Cork's greatest hits while you work. Nick Richards. Weekdays from 1. C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Really enjoyed my chat with Ellie O'Keefe before news at 12 from Knocknagree, now based in London. And we wish her all the very best with The Voice at UK on Team Tom. And we'll catch up with her again when she's next going to be on the TV, maybe just before she... No, that'll be just afterwards because it's all... Everything has to be kept so secret for obvious reasons it's a TV show and it would be it would be ruining it if people started mentioning oh I got through or didn't get through and, uh, and etc so I can understand the confidentiality uh, clause and it's on the Voice UK airs this Saturday 8 o'clock on Virgin Media 1 and thank you to Mike Fitzgerald who sent in a text to say it was his son Leo recorded Ellie and the O'Keefe family's first album um, and uh, at Star Trek Studios in Knocknagree and uh, Mike's, Mike promoted it at the time and it was huge at the time yeah, I, I didn't even she's such a chatty person it was terrific it's a dream to interview her um, I ha- had hoped to get into her whole family connection and the O'Keeffe's and, and the music and we will we'll chat with her again and, and uh, we'll talk about that because we we were trying to work out had we had her in studio or not and of course she remembers only too well that it was 10 years ago she had joined us in studio and wonder, along with the wonderful Hank Widell so very very talented young lady and let's hope she does really well on this programme because this could open up a whole different world uh, to her 1850 let me go to some of your calls and texts that have been coming into the programme this morning now there's an interesting one in from John who contacted us from Cork City he's canvassing at the moment for a certain candidate in a certain political party that I don't have to mention because if I mention I'm going to have to name all of the other candidates running in that particular constituency and I don't want to get into that. Anyway, but he contacted us because he said what's really interesting, going door to door, you know, you're asking people what are their concerns, what are they worried about? And if you listened, if you saw last night, there was another leaders debate, which was very different to the first leaders debate. And I think it's a lot to do with the moderators, Ivan Yates and uh, Matt Cooper and the way they handled it. At one stage I was wondering, is Ivan Yates running? Is he running for a seat? Because he seemed to be, he seemed to be attacking um, rather than letting them speak. I mean, there were some of the issues. He'd, he'd do a really good question, and you know, he'd put a lot of research the two of them had into it, and he'd put together, you know, a really kind of a caustic question. I said, "Oh, great question!" Dying to know the answer, and then he wouldn't even leave them speak. He was jumping back in on top of them, so it was a bit frustrating. Very different to Claire Byrne and the excellent way she moderated the other. I know it's just different styles uh, and all of that, but it's, I preferred the Claire Byrne because you were able to hear what people were saying 
quest. Last night I ended up getting a bit frustrated with it all, uh, I have to say. But anyway, that's beside the point. But the but when you listen to those leaders' debates, you know, they're talking about when they're out on the doorsteps, housing, you know, obviously is a huge uh, issue. And uh, people are talking about health. They seem to be the main two. But John says when he's been out canvassing, he said people on the doorsteps are really, really worried about the coronavirus. So I suppose this very much ties in with health. And he says that what a number of people are saying is with the Mercy and the Cork University Hospital so overcrowded with the numbers of people are on trolleys and the number of people waiting to be admitted to a hospital. John says that people in Cork that he's been meeting on the canvas trail are actually concerned Concerned, what would happen if the coronavirus came to our shores, hit Ireland and came and we got an outbreak here in Cork? He reckons the hospitals at the moment can't cope with the ordinary flu, let alone if, God forbid, the coronavirus decided to arrive on our shores. And we've been talking about the pressure that CUH and the Mercy Hospital has been under already, particularly with regards to Bantry Hospital and the big campaign to try to keep Bantry Hospital as is. And if Bantry Hospital, if they ended up not being able to take patients from 999 ambulances and they had to go to CUH or the Mercy instead, you could imagine the situation would even be worse. And that's without even thinking are daring to think, daring to dread that the coronavirus would arrive on our shores. And I know Michael in Botovant also has concerns about the coronavirus. He says the HSE claim they will be able to deal with that. He feels that's laughable. He said they can't deal with what they have at the moment and yet they're coming out saying, do, do not be concerned. You know, we have, we have contingency plans in place, we'll be able to cope. He said if they can't cope at the moment, how could they possibly cope if there was an outbreak of the coronavirus? And of course the It is getting closer to home because uh, earlier today, England's chief medical officer has confirmed two cases of the coronavirus in the United Kingdom. Now, the patients are both members of the same family and they are receiving specialised medical care to prevent further spread of the deadly virus. So they were obviously both together when they contracted or as one contracted and gave it uh, to the other. So hopefully that outbreak in the United Kingdom is contained. But it does show it is getting closer to our shores here in uh, Ireland. And China, of course, they have taken extreme steps to try to stop the spread of the, the virus, including what they've effectively done. They are effectively quarantining quarantining more than 50 million people. And that's in Wuhan and the surrounding province. Wuhan is the city, which I think is 11 million people living there. They're all quarantined. They can't get out. I mean, it's it's not that the people themselves have the coronavirus, but they're not allowing them out. They can they can travel around the, their, their cities and, and, and towns, but they've got like an exclusion zone around and there's roadblocks and they're literally not allowed to leave. So 50 million people quarantined, which is incredible to even uh, think about. But the number of new deaths and the number of new cases continues to swell, even with all that extreme steps put in place. The death toll this morning went to 213. Now, that was after 43 new deaths yesterday and all but one of them in that exclusion area. And most of the deaths were elderly people. China's National Health Commission also says that 1,982, just under 2,000 new cases have been confirmed and that's bringing the toll now to just under 10,000. Now that exceeds the number of cases from SARS, which is a similar 
similar virus. And remember, SARS actually spread to more than two dozen countries. And SARS, actually, I was surprised at this how long ago it was. It was it was 2002, 2003. It was, you know, nearly 20 years ago. I thought it was, you know, within the last couple of years, but it wasn't. It was that long ago. At the time, of course, SARS killed 774 people, mostly in China and mostly in uh, Hong Kong. At the moment, in China... Just over 100,000 people are under medical observation with possible coronavirus symptoms. Now, it, it will turn out, I'm hoping, that many of those you know, won't have coronavirus. They'll have a flu virus in, in, instead or another type of a virus and it's just, it has similar symptoms. But they're under observation. The new virus is believed to have emerged in a Wuhan mar- market that sold wild game. And then, of course, the Chinese New Year was last weekend and hundreds of millions of Chinese people travel domestically are abroad. It's the, it's the biggest migration of people every single year and it's people going home for the Chinese New Year. It's kind of like their Christmas or their Thanksgiving and everybody go, goes back and wants to go back home. So that's, it was just unfortunate that the coronavirus, the first outbreak coincided with the days leading up to the Chinese New Year and so many hundreds of millions of people deciding to travel. And China has suspended school nationwide and they've also extended the Chinese New Year holiday and that's in an effort to try to limit people travelling. So they're saying, you know, wherever you arrived for your Chinese New Year holiday, then you stay. I mean, particularly, obviously, people, I I heard of an an Irish gentleman yesterday who actually is in Wuhan. He's married to a Chinese lady who is from that area and they had travelled back there to be with her parents for the Chinese New Year and now they're effectively stuck and he said he could be there for weeks. Nobody knows how long this is going to go on for us. So people have big, according to John, out in the canvas trail, people having huge, huge concerns here in in Cork. People are worried about it. If you want to share your concerns, 1850-333-103. And Michael Embottivant was listening to me chat with Paddy O'Flynn of the regional president with the Society of St Vincent de Paul in, in Cork who was, you know, laying it out as it is at the moment and, and the fact that they're, they're seeing and helping people now who are in emergency accommodation and he said a year ago they wouldn't have seen that in Cork. It was something that was happening in Dublin. They obviously would have heard it from the conferences in Dublin but it wasn't something that was happening here in Cork. Anyone who became homeless or, you know, their landlord asked them to leave because they were selling the house or whatever, or was always able to manage, might have been a bit of a struggle, but managed to find another property or the council was able to look after them. But in the last year, unfortunately, we've more and more families ending up living in hotels, living in B&Bs and living in family hubs. And that brings with it all kinds of different problems, particularly financial problems. I mean, could you, could you, it's, I was thinking about this last night, what what it would be like if you if you had to leave your house. You know, you know, firstly, you, you obviously have to try and find somewhere to store the bits and pieces that you've accumulated over the lifetime that you've been in that house. But then you're moving from A to B to sometimes you can be moving from hotel room to hotel room with you would hope you'd have a suitcase to put your clothes in. But if you didn't, he was saying, you know, people are moving with black plastic bags and they have to bring those into hotels or bring those into these family hubs. And then you don't have laundry facilities. So you're in and out to the laundrette every few days and if you're like my household the washing machine seems to be going every single day so you've got to try and cope with that and if you're doing it with children you know school uniforms have to be gotten ready and all of that and then if you do have school children you're in a picture you know when we stay in hotels and we all love to go and stay in hotels for a night or two or to get away on a holiday but you don't want to end up living there you don't have any kitchen facilities 
most hotels you probably have a kettle you can boil the water you might be lucky and have a little fridge tiny little fridges that they have which is all you need when you're staying in, in a hotel how do you keep milk fresh to make the additional cup of tea or the cup of coffee or if you want to have give something to the children to eat or a snack or whatever and how do you prepare a school lunch so you end up having to go to the shops to buy all of those you know probably every day on the way to school you're going in to buy the children small lunches because you can't make them back in the hotel room then what you do in the evening time you can't cook a dinner are you going out having takeaway it's just it's like I can understand why so many of these families who never would have knocked on the door of Vincent de Paul before now have no choice but they need to call them in and say look we, we need a, a little a bit of help so it really was um, quite frightening to think this is happening on our doorstep and there are people living in emergency accommodations Let's, it's not just in Cork City the, most of the major towns across the county have people you, may, you might not be aware of it but I guarantee if you've got a hotel where you're living there will be people who are homeless living in those hotels at the moment uh, and Michael says you know he was quite taken aback listening to that and the fact that it's going on on our doorsteps yet he says on the 1st of January this year all TDs got a pay rise. Leo Radker, the Taoiseach, got an extra €21,000 per year. Pensioners, by the way, he said, didn't get any top-ups in the budget, but they were able to find money for themselves and then listening uh, to what the Society of Vincent de Paul saying this morning, making no sense at all to our Michael in Butterford. And um, thank you for that, Michael. And Mary and Donnerell was on. Oh, this is reacting to... The programme, remember somebody sent me in a text saying, Patricia, had you seen the programme that was on last night called Traveller's Guide? Now, I hadn't. I hadn't seen it. And the person who contacted us said the cruelty that was involved and it was to do with the killing of a young deer and then they ate it for supper afterwards. Traveller's Guide, is it some kind of a holiday show or extreme holidays? And I'll have to take a look into it. But anyway, but the listener was saying that it should have come with some kind of a health warning at the start. You know, I mean, often if there's going to be extreme cruelty, be it to humans or an animal, they'll say something at the beginning. And she said there wasn't any warning issued and she wished there had and she was quite disturbed by what she saw on the TV last night. Well, Mary and Donnerell also watched the programme. Oh, it was on RT. Thank you. I didn't know even what channel it was on. She thought it was a fantastic programme. Isn't it funny the way somebody can look at a programme and see it completely different? She thought it was very interesting. But she said the scene that our other listener is talking about, yeah, was a bit disgusting. The scene that people watched was, I'm assuming hunters, was it? Eating raw deer. So they killed the deer and did you see the deer? They hit the deer over the head to knock him out and then they killed him. God, delightful. And then they ate the deer with their raw, raw. And so there was blood running down their hands. She said it was quite disgusting but she said it was well worth watching. Uh, and in no, it was well worth watching in one sense but she said it was a bit disturbing in another, in another sense. What country did that happen in? That they kill, they knock they knock the deer out by hitting them over the head and then obviously slit his throat and then they decide that they'll eat the deer raw. No, I don't think I'll be watching that programme for sure. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Ahakira Drama Group. They've postponed their play. It was to be on in the community centre tonight and that's due to a local bereavement. Yeah, in a Shannon and Knockavilla defibrillator table 
quiz is going ahead in Barrett's Bar in Inishana. That's tonight at half past eight. Tables of four, 40 euro. And it's the annual fundraiser. Please support. The monthly singing and storytelling session will be held in the Greyhound Bar tonight. All singers and storytellers are welcome. Guest singer is Con War- Warren, a native of Castletown Kenna and now living in Newcastle West. Kildallery Bingo goes ahead tonight, half past eight. That's in the community hall. And the Inna Shannon, I've done that one already. Clyde Rover's Lotto Door, that's taking place tonight. That's in the railway bar in Ballinamona. And there will be a coffee morning in aid of the air ambulance tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning being the 1st of February, St. Bridget's Day. It'll be on in the Harbour Bar in Lep from 10am to 2pm. Children's Disco from 2 to 4 music and entertainment from nine there will be a raffle draw at 11 and you're pleased asked to support and there is a 1000 euro bingo in aid of the West Cork Jesters now the West Cork Jesters are a mixed ability rugby world cup effort that's happening next Sunday 1000 euro bingo in Bantry's Boys Club with great raffle prizes and it kicks off next Sunday at 8 o'clock. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas and kiln dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie Never felt so The River Lee and the Echo bring you the Cork City Sports Athletics Award. Every month, a panel of sporting experts will give recognition to an outstanding Cork athlete. This month's award goes to Stephanie Cotter from West Muskerry AC. Stephanie is recognised for securing a bronze medal in the under-23 race at the European Cross-Country Championships in Lisbon. The Cork City Sports Athletics Award with the River Lee, the Echo and C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now some of your texts are coming in on the coronavirus. Donna says, can't we use all the infamous iodine tablets that they stockpiled away? <laughs> I actually found my... my um, Iodine tablets. Do you remember we were talking about this a few weeks ago and they came in a kind of an, an orangey package. Wasn't I tidying out a cupboard and my now well out of date iodine tablets. I actually still have them. I'm going to keep them. It'll be one of those things in years to come when I'm dead and gone. Um, and maybe a, a great grandchild of mine will discover them. I'll leave a little note on them and say put them up on eBay. They might make some money for you. I don't know how many other people still have their iodine tablets. No use for the coronavirus though. Uh, Donald, I suppose we shouldn't laugh about the coronavirus. Uh, Mags, thank you for that Donald. Mags on the talking about with the nice Vincent Paul and these Cork families who are living in hotels are in these family hubs and they can't cook and that's the big problem and that's what costs them so much then having to eat out all the time or you know rely on family and friends to maybe allow them to come around and cook a dinner or bring them around for Sunday lunch whatever uh, Mags is making the point people that are living in direct provision centres asylum seekers get um, three meals a day why can't our own, own people be treated the same way yeah I suppose the argument would be people in direct provision get their meals and then they get it's only like 20 euro a week or something is, is that the case but I see exactly the point you're making uh, I really do that programme thank you Max the programme about the traveller's guide and the eating of the deer killing the young deer and then eating it raw with the blood running down their hands Madeline in Tralee thank you Madeline for your text the programme was about a nomadic tribe in Serbia I didn't see the scene in question but I suppose it's all about survival okay 
Oh, well, that makes it very different. So it is the traveller's guide. It's just coming across how other people live. And that's, that's just the way they live. But yeah, I mean, I do go back to the original texter who said they should have put a kind of a little bit of a warning up on it, I think, for us just to warn people that it was going to happen. Anthony, on the debate last night amongst all of the leaders, said, I would like to have heard more debating on the serious crime that we have in this country in many different forms. And the drugs... Being, a crisis, being at crisis stage, the drug problem in this country being at crisis stage. Yes, we do need housing on a very large scale, but we also need prisons to be built to cut down on all those suspended sentences that we see daily, says Anthony. So Anthony's of the view we need to lock up people. We don't have enough room to lock them all up at the moment. So if we don't have enough room to lock them up, is that the answer to it? Zero tolerance build more prisons and lock them all away. It's kind of a little bit what they do in America, in certain states in America, they have a zero tolerance. Okay, some of your calls. Eddie in Mallow was on. Mary, Eddie, thank you Eddie. Eddie says the amount of bushes and trees that are now growing out on the middle of the road and we're into the kind of the growing season now we're going to because the temperatures are quite mild so you're going to start you can already see growth in in the garden but he said you can already start to see the hedgerows and trees and they're growing out and the ditches are coming out you know bit by bit every day Uh, he says something needs to be done about it because he said in a couple of weeks time when people start complaining that hedgerows are overgrown we'll be told oh you can't cut them because it's the nesting season and the the cutting season the season where you're not allowed to cut is restricted and you're not allowed to do anything with the ditches and the ditches. So Eddie is saying, come on to the council. Would they ever start driving around all of the rural areas, get out with their trucks, see the situation, either do it themselves or go after the landowners, but the hedges need to be cut and now is the time to get working on it before the nesting season and before the birds move in. And then once the birds move in, we won't be able to do anything about it at all. And just, can I stay on trees for a sec? Because remember, earlier on in the week, I don't know what day it was, Wednesday, we had a WhatsApp in from a listener who sent on very clear photographs of an area, a strip of land from the N20 plaza to Mallow General Hospital. And the caller was on showing us the photograph of the trees, number of trees that have been cut down. And it's an area that this gentleman knows quite well because he walks and runs in that area. He says a lot of wildlife and it's an area he always, you know, enjoyed jogging around. And he said he was really shell-shocked to see the amount of trees and the way they were cut down. And he was asking us to go to the council because he was making the point with all the things to do with biodiversity and and, you know, we're, I, I mentioned Davos, Davos last week, where all the world leaders got together and, you know, the, we even had President Trump out saying he'd do his bit and the trillion trees they're going to plant. And I was saying, you know, if we're looking at biodiversity and looking at saying we need to plant more trees, why then in God's name would we start knocking down trees in the Mallow area? So we sent on all the information onto the council to say, what are you doing, lads? Can you explain this to us? And the council, in fairness to them, got back to say, Cork County Council is not involved in the cutting of those trees. The tree cutting operations mentioned are taking place on private land. So it's nothing, not at all to do with the council. So I'm assuming whoever owns that land obviously has some plan for it. Building, maybe. And we do, we know we need houses as well, but do we need them at the expense? You know, what, 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 what do we lose at the same time? 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls if you want to... It's Siberia before I'm corrected. Siberia. Okay, did I say Siberia? I did. 
Okay, that program for us, Siberia. Okay, uh, John Paul continues to take your calls. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. You can text or WhatsApp oh eight six two one zero three one zero three. Going to take a break, and we are back talking movies with Mark Malone. Court today on C one zero three with a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go, Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Open seven days for smokeless coal, turf, kiln dried wood, and gas. Lowcostfuel.ie for the best weekend sports coverage in Cork, it's got to be C103. I'll bring you updates on cross-channel soccer racing and anything else that happens in the world of sports. Rory Burke kicks off your weekend with a comprehensive Saturday sports preview from 11am. Mark Malone keeps the ball rolling with Cork Sports Saturday from 2. Then, Cork Sports Sunday completes your weekend between 2 and 7pm. On the other hand, racing through from the puck out, going for a goal opportunity. He's got it! Every puck, every kick, every score, every weekend. Let me tell you what's happening sporting-wise this weekend here on C103. For sport in Cork, it's got to be C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Mark Malone, our movie reviewer, joins me on the phone line this week. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, Patricia. Uh, you're very welcome. Now, you went along to the movies to see Bombshell and on DVD, Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Now, let's start with a Bombshell. This is described as a biography drama. So this is based on a true story? Yeah, it is based on a true story. Uh, most of it is true, but um, uh, I think they're, the people involved, the actual people involved have said, all right, like Megan Kelly, for example, is uh, one of the characters in this film, a uh, very, very well-known kind of news anchor from the States. And uh, she said that uh, some of it uh, isn't necessarily true and exaggerated, but she did say that most of it actually isn't. Uh, in the end, even though there were moments in the film that she wasn't keen on, she said uh, most of the film is actually true. Uh, the film is basically about Roger Ailes, who was one of America's top news network uh, executives. And, um, and unfortunately, he decided that the way he, in which he was going to go about his business was basically to kind of um, kind of have this kind of toxic atmosphere at work and had very, very kind of, let's put it this way, very old-fashioned uh, kind of attitude, especially towards women. And, um, you know, there is a scene in the film very, very young, for example, where he used to have this kind of hotline from his office. He'd be watching television, he'd be watching his news network, and once he's doing that, he would phone down to the producers and say, look, pull the camera back so we can see the legs of the anchor woman. Oh! Uh, and, 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 and this, so- obviously, we're talking about before the Me Too campaign. Well, what's interesting is that uh, this was even before Harvey Weinstein. And okay. in fact, this only happened some years back. I do remember when Megyn Kelly released her book and uh, and hinted that uh, she was actually um, harassed by uh, Roger Ailes. Um, it uh, it was actually Gretchen Carlson, who was also uh, one of uh, the um, anchor women, who also initially, and in fact, initiated the whole Me Too movement. Because uh, in the film, uh, she is demoted. Well, what she, con- she considers to be demoted by Roger Ailes, because she's on the morning program. He puts her into the afternoon, which she considers to be kind of a dead time, and they have an argument. And in the end, she gets fired. So what she basically wants to do then is to come back at him, and so decides that she will sue him for sexual harassment. Um, there's a scene where she meets her lawyers and her lawyers say, look, it'll look as if you're just basically looking for revenge here because you were fired. We will need more women to come and and support your claims. And in fact, that's actually what happened. So in fact, even though the film tends to concentrate mainly on Megyn Kelly, it was actually Gretchen Carson who basically started off the Me Too movement uh, by doing what she did. And then other women like Megyn Kelly, Megyn Kelly released a book to say that she too was harassed by Roger Ailes uh, as well, who really does come across as a, a rather uh, a nasty individual. Although, 
uh, to be fair, there, the women were kind of torn at the same time because once you were within his organization, he was incredibly supportive of you and her, her and, 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 and your family. And he would do anything for, uh, you know, members of the family of the people who are working uh, in, his, uh, uh, in, his, uh, in his network. So it's a fascinating film. And it only happened recently. I mean, that's the thing. I remember all this uh, when it did happen. Even though the film tends to concentrate a lot on Megyn Kelly, as I say, it was actually Gretchen Carson who, who initiated the whole thing. Although Megyn Kelly, there are... Um, we, Charlize Theron plays Megan Kelly here and she's got all these kind of prosthetics on her face to make her look like Megan Kelly and it's quite extraordinary oh. and she really does look like her and Nicole Kidman is the same who also looks very like Gretchen Carson as well and we because have Because of course they, in America not so much here they'd be well known faces Very much so yeah, yeah. Well, well yeah I mean if you're interested in the media then I certainly knew of all this and I knew of, uh, that all of this uh, was happening at the time Um John Lithgow brilliantly here as Roger Ailes, Nicole Kidman as Gretchen Carson, Charlize Theron and Margot Robbie have both been uh, nominated for Oscars and quite rightly so too. Margot Robbie is extraordinary in this film. I mean, there are times when you know her um, her meetings with uh, Roger Ailes, played here by John Lithgow, it's really quite harrowing at times and beautifully performed by Margot Robbie. And I'm not surprised that she has been uh, nominated for uh, an Academy Award. The film looks beautiful and it is it it it's, it's fascinating to see kind of. Uh, you know, big business and the world of media and the way in which, you know, uh, the, the the people of power tend to deal with kind of uh, with people. It's not perfect in any way. It's directed by Jay Roach, who has mainly made kind of comedies in the past. He's made films like Meet the Parents and the Austin Power movies. And he, there's some of the direction at times can be a little bit clunky. For example, if uh, one of the men, for example, says something really sexist or misogynist, he was kind of cut to a woman in the back of the room who kind of shake her head and go... You know, he doesn't need to do that. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, and you would wish it was a little bit more clever uh, than that. And the other, the other thing that kind of put me off is that Megan Kelly does have quite a deep voice, and Charlie Theron obviously decided to try and replicate that, replicate that, which doesn't really quite work. And I got the impression at times that they actually pitched down her voice at times, which kind of was slightly a bit uh, off-putting. And I don't think she was necessarily needed to do that. And also, when when we see real characters, the actors who kind of play people like Bill O'Reilly and Rudy. Giuliani really, really overdo um, their performances, and they, they come across as kind of hammy, and uh, and that doesn't work. And I think that's a bit of a shame, and that undermines these four extraordinary performances. Okay, and what the guy um, playing Roger Isles? Roger Isles was fired. Um, yes, he was. He, yeah. was. he was told to hop it, and uh, uh, once all the allegations uh, were revealed. Okay, all right. So, w- worth going along to see. Say that again? Is it worth going along to oh, see the movie? Oh, yes, uh, sorry. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, I recommend it to everybody and anybody. Uh, it's an extraordinary movie. It really is. I mean, apart from just little kind of, as I say, the snippets that I didn't particularly like, which uh, do undermine the, the amazing performances here. Four terrific performances and worth going certainly to watch those. Okay, and of course, Roger Isles is, is, is dead. He has passed away. He's yeah. passed away. Okay, market out of 10? Uh, I'll give it nine. Nine out of 10. Yeah. Okay, that's called Bombshell. Okay, Jay and Silent Bob Reboot. Yeah. Long enough title for a movie? This is a comedy. <laughs> it is a comedy, yeah. I mean, I, there's been a number of Jay and Silent Bob movies down throughout the years. I will bet my house on it that you have never seen one, have you? No. No, I didn't think no. you would. 
and that's the thing. Uh, that's the thing about these movies. I mean, it's um, they're written and directed by a guy called Kevin Smith, who has a very very interesting kind of place within Hollywood. Um, he makes he tends to make kind of very small movies and did very very on uh, in his career made films like Clerks and Mall Rats, and you know the the common thread throughout a lot of these films that he did were Jane Silent Bob. Uh, the ironic thing is that uh, Kevin Smith plays this character called Silent Bob who doesn't speak. Yet Kevin Smith is the most articulate man you've ever met. I mean, once he starts talking, he doesn't finish. And uh, over the years, he's kind of mixed making kind of very odd, kind of small, kind of independent movies. Some of them really, really odd and and weird. He made a film called Tusk a couple of years ago, for example, uh, which was about a man who was turned into a walrus, which is just the weirdest film you have ever seen. But he does he does a lot of um, he does a lot of podcasts. He does a podcast called Hollywood Babylon, and he came to Dublin last year, and me and the teenager we went up to see it and we just had a ball it was an hour and a half just the funniest uh, you know uh, comedy that we have seen uh, in a long time and it was terrific so basically he wanted to make this film for a very long time about a year and a half ago he had a terrible heart attack and so the one regret that he had when he was lying on his bed he thought look I, I want to make another film with uh, with um Jane Silent Bob, who basically are these two kind of potheads. And uh, in the past, they had re- produced this comic called uh, Blunt Man and Chronic, and they found out that there was going to be a new movie. Uh, they're going to make a, a reboot of that movie, so they go to Hollywood to try and stop it because they don't uh, own the rights to it anymore. And basically, it's about their kind of road trip uh, to Hollywood. And it is, at times, very, very funny. And Kevin Smith, what he did, he has revealed that because when he was on his deathbed, what he thought was on his deathbed, he would phone everybody he knew and say, look, I mightn't be able to make another movie again. You gotta come. You gotta be in this movie. So he has an extraordinary cast: people like Matt Damon, Chris Hemsworth, uh, Rosario Dawson, Val Kilmer. I mean, the list goes on and on and, and on. And they obviously just enjoy being a part of this movie. Exactly, but yeah. but people like Matt Damon, for example, uh, you know, it was Kevin Smith who made him by putting him into these movies. I mean, he was he made his career, so they do have a debt to pay to Kevin Smith. Um, it tends to kind of run out of steam after a while, but I liked the way it was directed. There's a lot of people who won't like it and who won't get it. You know, a favorite film of mine, for example, is Kevin and Perry Go Large, uh, which is one of the silliest films ever made. And mm. if you go online, people say it's a bomb rating. But I know those characters from TV. If you don't know these characters, you probably mightn't be able to understand exactly what's happening. There's a lot of fan service here and a lot of references to uh, to, to uh, Kevin Smith's previous movies. He not only plays Silent Bob here, but he plays himself as uh, as well. So there's a there's a bit of an ego thing going on there as well, I think. But I look, I enjoyed it. And if you have seen... Um, these movies and Jane Silent Bob in the past I think you won't be disappointed Okay, alright Mark it out of 10? I could get 9 as well 9 out of 10 yeah. Okay, that's Jay and Silent Bob Reboot We'll chat you next Friday Mark, Great thank stuff. you for that and uh, thanks for joining us That's Mark Malone our movie reviewer Just a couple of texts in uh, Hi Patricia This programme where the deer got killed and people were eating it raw the one from that we're hearing is from Siberia The programme was actually a, re- a repeat on RT last night Goodness, isn't that surprising for RTE to be showing repeats? Uh, Irish travellers were taken to different parts of the world for two weeks to live with other similar races. Last week it was a lady from Limerick, I think, says this texter, was in Russia with a group who travelled to different parts of the country during the year and that's Tom in Mid-Cork and that's how they ended up in Siberia. That's the background to that story. Thank you for that. Actually, somebody else uh, was uh, trying to explain it to me as well. Mary and Donnerwell says the programme is organised by Pavy Point in Dublin. All right. They sent a settled traveller from Cavan 
Sullivan to Siberia. So the deer was killed in Siberia. There was no, it hasn't been killed here in Ireland, which certainly is good to hear. Today, says another caller, is the second grounding day for the air ambulance. It's been done as a cost-cutting measure. They're only now flying five out of the seven days, which really is uh, shocking. John was on to the programme, says there seems to be plenty, or there seems to be plenty of money yesterday for the FAI, but not for this vital service. Did that strike a chord with anybody else yesterday when the FAI were getting a bit of a bailout and yet we can't have the government bailing out our air ambulance. Mary Ng, thanks John. Mary Glanthan was on to say why, wants to know why there are 27 houses left idle in Glanthan. It was due to be a new housing estate in, in Glanthan. Is this a ghost housing estate built near the school? Houses are behind a ditch. If you're walking you can see them but not while you're driving. What's happening with them? She said some are finished, windows and doors, others are partially finished and others are half finished. I don't know. Anybody give us an explanation as to those houses? Are they currently being built or is it a ghost housing estate? Because we certainly haven't heard about ghost housing estates in quite some time because I think they finished off what ones that they could finish and others were just knocked down to, to get rid of them. So I don't know if anyone can tell, fill us in on what's happening in uh, Glantham but we need every house, particularly 27 houses. That's a lot of houses. And on the cutting of the trees that we spoke about between the plaza and the service station and Hospital Cross and we got on to the council and they said private property nothing to do with us Pat in Mallow was on a man in the know he said those trees were cut they were cut near the hospital it's commercial timber they were grown to be sold, sold. So they grow them and then eventually they have to be uh, cut down. And Willie also heard us talk about that and said there are a lot of trees along the side of the road that are dangerous and they need to be cut down because if they're not the next storm, someone will be killed and who will be responsible then? It's all well and good to see we say we need biodiversity, but if there are trees that need to be cut, then they need to be cut. And John and Clonic Kilty says, Patricia, before you finish... Goodbye Great Britain from Europe today. I hope the grass is greener on the other side. And Dan says, Patricia, on the cancelling of the NCT uh, tests, people who have booked their NCT three months out, remember we were talking about this, the way people can do it, surely they would be better off cancelling the test. What is the point in going forward for a test that you know you're going to fail and that you're going to have to go back? Would they not be better off cancelling than rebook for a later date and hopefully by delaying their test when they do go back in, the lists have been cleared and they'll be working and there'll be no recorded fail on the history of their car. Yeah, I think that's a good piece of advice, uh, Dan. And I know when John Paul checked out about the cancelling of the test, it's if you cancel within five days that there's a charge. So I would take it from that piece that John Paul sent in to me. If you cancel, if you give more than the five days notice, then there won't be that surcharge of and that fine of €22. So yeah, I would be advising people to do that as well. That's a good piece of advice. Uh, Thank you for that um, Dan. Now Nick Richards is next turning up the feel good with these tunes. (laughs) Be happy 
Looking forward to those songs uh, with Nick from one and Martina from four with Feel Good Friday. That's where I leave it you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara who is uh, producing and don't forget from seven we're live from the Rochester Park Hotel for the C103 GAA Awards and our own John Paul will be presenting that special show. I'll talk to you Monday morning at 10 or to the Petition Messenger. Good afternoon. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Call and collect or get seven day delivery for those cosy nights in. Lowcostfuel.ie